I, I mean, I love Batman meme culture. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. like a whole subset of Batman meme. And it's like, it's just hilarious, isn't it? Because they're just like, right. you know, like, like, like the idea of like getting paid minimum wage by the Joker to like take a package off like a, a truck and like Batman just comes <laughs> yeah, and yeah. breaks your legs. <laughs> That's and then great. you can't feed your family. Like this, just like the, the I, I mean, I love those memes, but I think it does speak to the kind of like, yeah, where we're at in society, I guess. What's going on? This is Merkage Dave, and you're listening to Tarek on the Wordplay Podcast. Yo, check it out. It's the chef right here. And you listening to the Wordplay Podcast. You already know. Hold it down. This is the Illa Man. You're in tune to the Sounds of Tarek Wordplay Podcast. If you're not listening to that, you're an absolute turnip. Firebrand Wally. Fuck about. Yeah! Hey, what's up? What's up? It's Killer Mike, one half of Run the Jewel. This is LP. You are chilling with Tarek on Wordplay Magazine. Yup. Yes. Flex and more. You're listening to Wordplay Podcast. The legendary split up the syllables. Tarek. Hey, it's Tyler Polly, and you are checking out the Wordplay Podcast with Tarek right now. You better keep listening, and you better listen to the next one, and the next one after that, and the next one after that, Mama Claude! This is the Wordplay Podcast. My name is Tarek, and I hope you're all keeping well. What we do here, if you're new to the podcast, is we bring you closer to your favourite artists from across the many realms of rap music. But it's not always hip-hop. On some special occasions, like this episode, we'll bring through a singer. And that's exactly what we're doing on this episode as we're joined by Merkage Dave. Merkage Dave is a singer and songwriter from East London. His style is hard to define, but what I love about him is his ability to capture the everyday human emotions and actions. He's got this ability for a very unique style of social commentary. But at the same time, being able to deliver that in a way that's just so sonically enjoyable as a listener. And the world is changing, some don't like it. Who you blaming? Who you gonna stick it on? Packed out tables, grayed out faces, hating and caping, you can't find them all. We'll be talking about Dave's new album, The City Needs a Hero. We'll chat about his favourite heroes and villains. We'll discuss what shaped him into becoming such a great observer of people and of life. So all that and much more in what is one of my favourite interviews to date. And like I said, we're usually covering the many realms of rap music, but it's not always hip-hop. So here's a quick word from a few singers you may have heard of. Hey, what's up, y'all? This is Chili. This is T-Boss. And we're TLC. And we're listening to Wordplay. And we better be on Wordplay. And we want to <laughs> stay on Wordplay. And yeah, this is Wordplay. Shout out to Wordplay. Merkish Dave. How you doing, man? Welcome to the Wordplay podcast. In the building. What's happening? Yeah, well, good. How, how's your day been? How's your morning been? I'm feeling quite thankful at the moment. Do you know what I mean? It's like... To be in this position... Mm. You know, not not everybody gets to be in this position and I know there's a lot of things that I still need to kind of that I still want to achieve and there's a lot more to do but sometimes you have to just like stop and think raw like man's like here do you know what I mean so mm. yeah that's that's been my day really wow and is that a different um thankfulness compared to like because you've had I guess in your career like various points where you've done you've created amazing work and you've put that out and you've 
further establish yourself each time is that a different thankfulness to before or just that feeling again I was talking to my mate about this last night I feel like it almost like like it's almost so that your brain does it so that you don't get guessed and so it's like someone will pay you a compliment about the record mm. and you say thank you and then you'll forget that they said it and I think it kind of like you kind of like can't it gets to a point where like your brain just screens out all the information basically like it, like literally Stevie Wonder would have had to have rung me up and say great album man for me to like really take mm. it in and I think that's a bit of a shame so I feel mm. like now that the album's been out for like a month I've been taking some time to just kind of like really like think about where I'm at and like what's going on and like just be thankful for it because at the time you're just like you're just more focused on oh, I need to be doing this I need to be doing this you know mm. and, and, and actually like there's a lot of people that make great music that aren't in my position and um, if I if I even like two three years ago four years ago if I could have been in that position, my position I'm in now, then I would have been buzzing. So mm. yeah, man, just have to, You, I'm always trying to push forward, but just just trying to like, just enjoy where I'm at at the same time as well, you know? I see. How do you, how do, you um, do that? How do you slow down and like re-listen to what, what people are saying, the feedback you've had? That's what I'm saying to you. You can't really... Like imagine like you've got like obviously like your brain retains so much information, but it's like a, a desktop and a computer in it. There's only like there's a bit that's at the front that is like what the information that you can access on like a daily basis or whatever. And I feel like if if you had all those compliments just at the front of your brain, you would just be totally gassed. You would just, you would just be like so it's like um you just have to like just take stock and remind yourself and just look at where you've come. It's it, I I don't have the answer really. It's just like a process that I'm kind of going through at the moment just you know like every time every time I walk out of my flat mm. I live in Hackney say if I walk down the street or I go for a drink or something someone's like man love the album and it's just like oh shit yeah like it wasn't always like that, you know? So it's a it's different now so it's like mm. kind of just try and be like no well done man and like keep going but you're, you're, you're doing you're on the right path kind of thing I see I see and I, I remember a story you told on another interview about when you and Mike Skinner were doing your podcast and Liam Gallagher came in and he was really like humble and nice to this sound producer I think it was and like really made time for him oh um, yeah 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 and and I wonder, like, it's clearly something just, you know, from the videos of you meeting fans, having a drink, playing darts, having a laugh, having a nice time. Um, and I wonder, like, you keep this lightness. It feels like you keep this lightness around your fans and you, you make it quite nice and fun. Is that hard to maintain all the time? Or does that ever get tricky? Um, no, because I, 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 really, I really like people. Hmm. Like, like I'm very interested in people and how, how they work and what's important to one person might not be important to the other person. They might have different priorities. Um, but also like, I'm very aware, it's not lost on me that 
you know, like, I feel like if you're an artist with like a label and you've got a budget behind you, you've got funding, you'd be like, you, you know, you might be a bit more, I mean, I, I'm not in that position, so I don't know, but it might be a bit easier to like take it for granted. But for me, I'm like, hmm. I I love, the people that are fans of my music, I love them, man, because like, if we didn't have that, it's a two-way street, yeah? And if it didn't exist, I wouldn't be able to create for a living. Do you know what I'm saying? Hmm. So it's like, you know, like someone, you know, someone, what was it someone said? Like, oh, like the fan, you know, I think it was another artist and they were saying, oh, the fans feel like they've got a stake. Uh, someone said, oh, oh the, the fans feel like they've got a stake in my life or they've got a stake in me. And I feel like they were kind of complaining about it. But in a way, for me, they are like, the fans are kind of like shareholders, bruv. So it's like, if you see me, mm. you can say, I, I say this on my Instagram all the time. I just say, look, because I'd rather that sometimes people like, they'll send me like a DM and say, oh man, I saw you on the overground, man. And I didn't say anything, but just, and for me, that's worse because that prangs me out that I'm being observed when I don't know. And I, I have to understand that sometimes that does happen, mm. but I'd rather someone just said, something to me and then I could like say something back rather than do you know what I mean so mm. I, I don't I guess everybody's different it's different personality types but I'm kind of like I'm one of them people I'm like halfway in between like an introvert and an extrovert do you know what I mean so it's kind of like I can kind of cope with it you know mm. and yeah that's interesting that that half and half you're speaking about it kind of comes out feels like it comes out in your music and just talking also about feeling observed and that and that pranging you out or the potential to, to do that one of my questions is actually around that actually like but about you and and what or who shaped you into becoming such an observer because that's it feels like that's what you're what you what's in my opinion and the music i listen to or love what separates you from many other artists that i listen to is like i don't think there's anyone i can think of in any genre I listen to that is as good at just observing the everyday and putting that in their music in such a digestible and pleasurable way to listen to. Um, what, what, so what or who shaped you into becoming such an observer? The key, th and I, I think this is something that I've um, only kind of like worked out recently. I think because I've always been like an outsider, like ne not necessarily like a loner, but just like never really fully accepted. Like I was born, I was like, I grew up, the area that I, like I grew up in, um, like it, it's, it's kind of like, you know, I don't know if you've heard, I've got like a song called Weird Kid in the Ends. Mm. Um, it's on the, the We Need to Look After Us project that I did with mm. Manga. I think that kind of like sums it up. And, and I say, Murky's Dave changed my life. I've got some lyrics about it there. But I think just growing up in the ends, but not really being like a typical ends person. And I think it started there kind of like, 
you know, going to school um, off ends. And, um, but even like little things like, like my parents were like really Christian, but like not in the kind of way that, you know, like you might assume it was like a gospel Pentecostal vibe, but it was like very serious kind of like, um, theological like Methodist church. So I think, I think from that point, you know, they, they like really observed like the Sunday, like as the, as the Lord's day and shit like that. Like it was like, I don't know. So I think from that mm. point, I was always kind of like, I've always had one foot in one world and one foot in another. Even like when I left London, I went to live in Manchester for 10 years. You know, when I was 18, I went to live in, in Manchester and it was like, again, that thing of like, oh, Dave's all right, but he's from London, isn't it? So I've always had that thing of like, like, like not really belonging. And so like that makes, I, th I think, you know, like it, it makes you pay attention to like how things work in, for, in order to survive, you know, so Ha, like so when I like so I went to primary school in the area hmm. and like I learned that a certain thing that you did would cause a fight but then when I went to secondary school if you try to fight someone for that thing people were like whoa like do you know what I mean but then they would do much more horrible things to each other hmm. in like a in like a smoother way, but it was like psychologically worse than fighting someone once. So I, I feel like from that point, I kind of had to kind of understand how all the systems were. And then I come back home and then, and this is before like social media. So it's like, in order to like understand the slang, you had to pay attention. So I'll be on the bus and I hear someone use a, a new word I never heard before. And that's how I pick it. Do you know what I mean? But then, mm. and then it just kind of, it just kind of went from there. It was just like, I think from, from being in all these different worlds and, and having to kind of like survive each one, I just learned like how to really pay attention to like human, human behavior and rules and words, language and stuff like that. And like, even like, like I've spent a lot of time in France. Um, like I, re I recorded a lot of my first album in Paris. Oh, right. And like, and like a lot of that, uh, it was interesting because I can't speak French. Like I can understand a little bit, but I can't get involved in a conversation. If man, I just talking, it's like, I can't really, but so you start paying attention to other things because you can't understand the language. So that's that's another example of, but so you start paying attention to like body language. Oh, that person's a bit nervous. Do you know what I mean? That person's a bit, I think also, I think another thing that um, I'm realizing, these are, these are things, it's a really good question because these mm. are things I'm just working out about myself now. In the last, like across the pandemic, I realized that I'm quite like, I've got like quite a strong kind of like empath thing. So like, I, I never realized, but like, like if someone, if I'm at, I mean, if I'm at a party and someone's like awkward, 
I can feel it. I can feel it. Or if someone's like upset, I can like. Or if someone is sad, if I'm sat with someone and they're sad, I will feel sad as well. So it's kind of like a little bit. Some of it is like survival, I guess, and some of it is like actually in me that I kind of like pick up on, pick up on people's feelings and pick up on. I don't know. It's a lot. It's a lot of things. Mm. I mean, I'm giving you like bare different reasons. And, and another thing is just like growing up in London, bro. Like you had to pay attention to the nuances, you know, to know when a fight was going to happen or when when someone was going to pull up to the bus stop and rob everyone or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Like you had mm. to kind of, the little things that were happening, you could kind of see ahead of the curve and go, oh yeah, that's gonna happen. Let me maybe, you know. So I don't, I don't know. It's a that's a really good question, and mm. I think if as, as over the next few weeks, I'm gonna think about that more and more and and work it out. But I think I'll give you a few options there at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's probably the truth of it. It's probably a combination of things. I especially liked or found it interesting you talking about being in different spaces and understanding the rules of each of them or like having to quickly understand the rules and how to navigate each one. Yeah. I feel like I can relate to that in, in, in my life in many ways. And I went to a very different school to the one that I went to in the area I grew up in. And I yeah. can totally see that, man. And yeah, the London thing as well. And But also you're talking about your parents and learning observance as a practice. Um, yeah, super interesting. Um, all right. Next thing I'll ask you, so, so the name of your new album, The City Needs a Hero. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you who is your favourite fictional hero or like who is top of mind as your favourite fictional hero? It's a cliche one, but the first name that popped into my head was Batman. Mm. Because, because I think he's just like, He he's like I mean obviously like he's like a billionaire son in it so it's like he's not like like us but as in like he's like but that gives him the resources but but like he's like human and he's he's like basically flawed and in a way like his mission it doesn't really like it's probably not the right way to respond like like a a therapist would be like, bro, like right. <laughs> maybe you should do something else. Like, do you know what I mean? So I feel like the idea that he's like a flawed person and he's like, but he, he basically like does like everything in his power to like compete. I kind of quite like that, you know, that, that he's like almost like, like, the best and the worst of like humanity, mm. like wrapped into like one character. And I think that's why, I think that's why Batman as a, as a character has endured across the ages. Whereas I feel like they've really struggled with Superman. And, and I think actually one of the reasons why I think, and I, this isn't a direct reason, but I think indirectly, Sometimes I think like subconsciously people don't embrace things because there's something that they don't think about on a, uh, you know, actually, but like, you know, your brain kind of knows it doesn't make sense. Like, why is Superman white? 
like you got to like 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 so Kryptonians are like basically like human beings, right? But mm. their sun is different to ours. So when they come here, they've got more powers because the sun is different. Mm. But it's like by rights, Superman should probably be like Chinese, bro, or like Indian or something. Right. Because like no, because like why are all Kryptonians white? Mm. And I think I think that it's a flawed idea from there because white people are a minority on the on the globe. Mm. I see so, what you mean. Yeah. So it's like the chances of Superman and all of his dogs in on Krypton being white is like very low. So I feel like it's a flawed idea from there. And then I think obviously like it was used as like a kind of, you know, he's like, you know, in the comic books, he's like helping America fight the communists and all this stuff. I don't know. I feel mm. like they've struggled, they've struggled to like, yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like they've struggled to kind of like make Superman work since like the eighties really like since like Christopher Reeve I think it hasn't really ever and like actually a lot of like you know obviously like with Marvel and stuff a lot of these kind of like smaller less important characters have kind of like popped off way more and Superman is not really like the guy <laughs> anymore mm. I've never I've never found like Superman very resonating I just yeah but it's funny you well, mentioned why, Batman why, yeah why would you why would you find Superman relatable he's just like literally he can do everything Mm. he's like an all-powerful white man like it's like what is that like mm. it just doesn't make no sense like he's come from another planet and he's caucasian and he can do everything it's just like <laughs> it's just like no like yeah, i yeah. can't i can't like nah <laughs> it's, yeah 60s or whenever he came out yeah it's, it's just some kind of propaganda no, isn't it it doesn't make it doesn't make no sense anymore Mm. it doesn't make no sense like obviously like with Batman it's like well yeah he's like a billionaire orphan like he's he's an American billionaire orphan yeah mm. the chances he, he, he's probably going to be white do you know what I mean it's like makes more sense mm. do, do you get it I get it I get it it's yeah. even though he's a billionaire yeah it's grounded in a bit more reality um, well yeah it's just it's a believable story mm. yeah interesting um I I go to therapy and my okay. my therapist asked me something similar and I came out with Batman as well and then she was getting deep on Batman so I have some I have some new fodder to get back to with uh, tomorrow. Oh wow! Okay, <laughs> that we've we've so we've got the same. Yeah, well, and it's yeah. it's I mean yeah, Batman's an interesting one as well because I guess I mean like I I know you spend a lot of time in cities. London is where your life started out, and he's a he's a very big city superhero as well he's not he's not yeah. in wherever superman's from or wherever like many oh you see that yeah he lands in kansas doesn't he mm. so yeah. he becomes this kind of like he's a country boy isn't he yeah yeah, yeah. It's, similar for other superheroes and but but the other great thing about batman i think is um and what critics say is like amazing about batman is the quality of his villains yeah and and that's kind of my next question it doesn't have to be a batman villain but like who is your favorite villain or who's the most top of mind villain for you? Because there are some great ones, great characters. I mean, I think, I, I guess the ultimate villain is Terminator. Just like an un, an unkillable robot mm. from the future. 
I feel like that's like it's funny like I wasn't allowed to watch Terminator 2 when I was like I remember everyone when I was younger like they'd seen it and I wasn't allowed to watch it because my parents were very strict about what films we could watch mm. and um, so I, I, I only watched it quite recently like properly like obviously like it's like culturally like pop culture is it's just there isn't it so you know what it is but I actually watched it end to end like a couple of years ago like a few years ago and it's like man like that I mean that feel as a film it's just inspired like so many films isn't it but like I think like the idea of a machine because like I've been I've been kind of like I started reading like uh Keith Herring's um like journals recently and he's talking about in it like how like he feels like machines are like the um you know that's the next evolution of man like we're gonna like fuck up the planet we're gonna fuck up or we're gonna like there's gonna be like a nuclear war we're gonna destroy ourselves somehow and mm. but we've already created machines and i mean he was he was writing this in like the late 70s but like you know, to this point where like we've we've now created artificial intelligence where like, you know, there was that thing, wasn't it like a couple of weeks ago mm. where like they had to shut that thing down. That Google the, uh, machine that had like come to life. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, didn't want to get switched off because it, and it wanted to be understood and all that stuff. So it's kind of like, I feel like that, I find that really interesting. The idea of like machines being at the next step in human evolution and probably the thing that will either kind of combine with us or outlive us as you know things go on and like the idea of a machine coming from the future to our time and just like it cannot be stopped i mean that's like the most terrifying thing isn't it it's like and then so another machine has to come from the future to stop it, I guess. But mm. it's like, also actually, if you want to talk about a hero, um, what's her name? The the mum in Terminator. Uh, Sarah uh, Connor. Bro, maximum smoke. <laughs> like I have not seen someone on that much smoke. Like she literally, like her mentality that's the mentality. If you want to win, you need that Sarah Connor mentality. Mm. She was not having it. Bro, like you're up against an unkillable robot and you're still just like on maximum smoke. Yeah, full yeah. full, full respect to her. And what a cool look full, as well. Like the, the yeah. vest she's in, but like yeah, she's really like yeah. toned and she's just like constantly, yeah, like tunnel vision. She just wants to kill this thing, figuring out how yeah. to kill this thing. I get you. Protect, protect her son, you know. Coming back to... Uh, heroes and, and Batman in particular what do you think Batman would make if he was to live like wh what would he make of London or the UK if he was to live here <laughs> I don't I mean uh, I don't know I mean he's a <laughs> that's that's a, that's a mad question I mean, well, whose ass would he kick I mean brother, it, brother you need to I mean he needs to start with, with Boris Johnson really Start with him, bruv. I think the real goons, that's the real goons, isn't it? The real bad man mm. is them, is them, man. I feel like, but then I don't know, but maybe, because like, 
That's the other thing about Batman, though, because, like, when you think about it, does he, like... He's an interesting character because he does kind of, in a way, like, try and uphold the status quo. I, th- I guess he wants to bring about change. Like, he has his foundation and stuff like that. And so he wants to bring about change in, like, a kind of smoother way. But a lot of the time, and I think this is obviously, like, good writing, isn't it? But, like, the, like, the villains in Batman... Like, they've got a point a lot of the time. But it's just more like the method. I think, like, the villains kind of show us... um, I think that's why villains are so, like, addictive because they show us, like, a bit of ourselves Mm. that that we're conditioned to, like, control. But in our wildest fantasies, we would probably do some shit, you know... It's like, like like that film uh, Falling Down. Okay, I've seen You know seen that it. film? You haven't seen it? No. It's like Michael Douglas uh, and he's like just like a regular guy and he, but he just like like one too many bad things happen to him in a day. He's just like fed up with his life and something happens to make him snap and he just goes ham. He just goes absolutely ham for the whole film, just like causing maximum destruction just because like he's been pushed too far. Like society's pushed him too far. Mm. I'd love to, I'd actually love to see a, re, a, a remake of that film. You should watch that film. And, I'll give like, it a watch. Let me, yeah. Let, yeah, let me know what you think. Cause like, yeah, I will. like, cause in the film, he's kind of like racist as well. Hmm. I think he, maybe he was in Vietnam or something. I can't, I need to watch it again. I think maybe he was an ex-soldier or something and then like the way that society's treated him, he's just like, nah, fuck you. And he just goes nuts. But yeah, I'd love to see a remake. You know, like, okay, like this, I, I know I'm not answering your question no, at all, on. sorry. But like, it just made me think like, you know, like I think that there are a lot of like, sometimes like they'll remake a film Say, say like, they, they might, like, remake a classic film, yeah, and do, like, a black version, like, an all-black cast. And mm. sometimes they're kind of shit, like, I don't know if you've seen, like, Annie, the black version of Annie. I know like, of it's, it. Mm. Yeah, it's absolutely, it's absolutely terrible. <laughs> Is it? But, like, yeah, yeah. But, but, but I think it's just because they just wanted to make a black version of it. But I feel like a black version of Falling Down... Or like, a, or it doesn't have to be black. It could be an Asian version, or, or what, do you know what I mean, or mm. Arabic version, or whatever. But it's like that could actually be sick if it was just like one microaggression, one microaggression too much, push man, and he just went absolutely ham for the whole film, just dealing with like middle class microaggressions. I could play, I could play that character. Yeah, yeah. Wait, I can, could play that villain. When your script writers yeah, yeah. are listening, you, you know what to do. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You, you see me in the music videos, you know I've got, I got some range. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Man, man's got some chops when it comes to the acting. Um, I, I didn't answer your question at all. Um, what would Batman do? Uh, what does London need? I mean, London, mm. really, really, London, London just needs... I think Britain as a country, London is actually... I was going to say London needs more empathy and it does. But I think like Britain as a country just needs to be more empathetic as a country. I feel, I feel like 
I feel like that is that is part I think that is a big part of the problem that we have in this country is that like everybody just kind of deals with the you know like my mum my said that when you know my mum came to the country when she was you know I think like eight or something I can't remember exactly how old she was but she says mm. one of her memories when she was younger you know um you got these two like uh like she used to live in like a house with, where like you know you have like two doors mm. but then like the steps go down to the street so like yeah yeah so, but it's like yeah. there's like one set of steps going down to a street to the street but then there's two doors uh for different houses mm. and she said that her neighbor used to clean their side of the steps only like and i think that kind of sums up like britain it's like it's actually harder to clean that one if you've got a mop and some water you may as well just do the whole stairs. Mm. It's like, it's trying to hard doing only your side. That's like, it takes more work. But I feel like that's like what kind of Britain is built on, isn't it? It's built on that kind of, like it's an ex-empire, this kind of like colonial, like superpower. Mm. And people are still, I feel like that mentality still kind of lives at the back of people's brains. And I think I think that's what, so Batman should maybe just go around doing therapy, bro. Just sitting in people's yards and just being like, talk to me. Why do you feel like this? Mm. Do you know what I mean? Try and build more of an empathetic society. I think, I think that's, that's what would solve a lot of our problems. For sure. And it's interesting. Even it, sorry, go on. No, okay, so I know I've been going on for a while. No. Before the next question. But um, even if you look at, you know, like people... You know, when, when one of the things if you look at London, people always talk about knife crime. But I mean, if you actually want to look at why knife crime, like like stabbing, like like young men stabbing each other has been happening in this country forever, like way before. Like, I don't know when it started, but like, it's like a thing. I mean, it's like, since like, I don't know. I'm talking about like, I don't know when that shit started, but it was like, mm. it's not like something from the last few like decades. It's mm. like, and then like, so like when my dad came to the country, right? He, he, he was like him and his generation, they were running from the national front right and then when you get to the 80s they toughen up and they like start moving like the blacks and the asians once you get to the 90s it's like you know you got more identity you know for 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 for, for black people they embrace like um some elements of rasta identity mm. hip hop and then, so they're not, not having it. So by the time I'm, you know, you get into the noughties. So what, what I'm trying to say is, okay, so, so someone, I, I seen an interview with, with Idris Elba mm. and he was talking about in the 80s that knife crime was a white on black thing. So it, it went from the 70s, my dad getting chased uh, by National Front to the 80s, it's okay let's stick together let's fight back black and white knife crime 
to the 90s, you've got Stephen Lawrence. That was a white gang that ran him down mm. and they stabbed him to death, right? But then once you get to like my era of London, when I was a teenager, the idea of getting run down by white boys is not, that's not there anymore. Mm. That's like what getting stabbed up by like a group of white boys, that's not, that's not there anymore. So suddenly you've got, you know, these groups of kids that are sticking together for one reason and it kind of like turns on itself. Do you know what I'm saying? And then like what's driving it now is like, it's not, it's, it, it, it's like getting caught on camera, isn't it? So, you know, for, it's like from school days or from like when you're in that kind of age, it's like you get caught on camera. A lot of beefs these days in London is about getting caught on camera and having to like, you know, back in the day, you got, you, you got beat up. Mm. No one saw it or like five people saw it. Whereas now everything's documented. And so a, a lot of the kind of problems, you know, people always want to talk about what we're going to do about knife crime. It's like, well, like young men have always been being violent to each other. It's, it's been escalated by, you know, lack of self-worth, and, and but also like social media, like the fact that you get like, so you have to come back harder and do something worse on camera. And that's where a lot of these things escalate. And I'm not speaking like I'm, I like I've man's been in it, in it. Like I'm just, this is what I've, again, I'm sure. an observer. Do you know what I'm saying? And so how do you, how do you, how do you solve that problem? It's not like, yeah, like Batman coming down and just like, you know, bat, what Batman's going to start <laughs> fighting drillers bruv like that's long bruv it's like that's really the, the the key would be how do you break down that mentality uh and how do you i don't know how do you build up how do you build up people's self-esteem how do you make them more empathetic you know, mm. these are these these are the things. These are these are how you these are how you um improve a society, I think. It's it's really interesting you mentioned like about your like dad's recalling of NFs and and, and around that time in the in the seventies and eighties and well, you mentioned Stephen Lawrence, but I'm reading this book at the moment called it's a new book that just came out, it's called Reclaiming Racism. Okay. And it part of it documents the rise of black power from the 70s to the 80s and then later on i won't get into it but later on it gets into how kind of anti-racism was allowed to become part of the system and as a result like defanged of its power of its radicalness right. anyway i won't get into that that's a, that's a whole day worth of chatting for another day but um yeah, this book talks about so many, so many people being stabbed, and, and that whole thing that you're, you're talking about, that your dad was talking about, of it being like white on black, white on Asian. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I guess in 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 those in that time, there's a very clear, easy task for for Batman, right? <laughs> but um, like you say nowadays, and and just to stick on the point of anti-racism as well, or racism, it's it's not as explicit or as overt as your in you know in your dad's day when he was younger um i guess right now it's a lot more insidious it's a lot more systematic it's why are 
particularly young black men killing each other it's it's not it's not the overt racism it's it's the it's the places that they're growing up young asian men as well a lot, lot of young white boys as well it's the places they're growing up it's the lack of resources and batman's task i guess would be a lot more complex and a lot more about empathy is is he can't just kick people's asses in this case there's <laughs> a lot more talking it's a lot more uh him helping to bring those resources back and bring that community structure back i guess it's a very different task that, for him isn't it yeah i think that's where you get those memes that, i mean i don't know if you follow i i mean i love batman meme culture. yeah yeah there's yeah. like a whole subset of batman memes and it's like, it's just hilarious, isn't it? Because they're just like, you know, Batman, you know, you know, like breaking a, a henchman's legs. He's just taking a, he's taking a package of, he's just getting paid minimum wage. Right. You know, like, like, like the idea of like getting paid minimum wage by the Joker to like take a package off like a, a truck and like Batman just comes <laughs> yeah, and yeah. breaks your legs. That's and then true. you can't feed your family. Like this, this like the, the I, I mean, I love those memes, but I think it does speak to the kind of like, yeah, like, wh yeah, where we're at in society, I guess. It's, mm. I, 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 lo I love memes, meme culture. I can't wait for the meme museum. That's mm. like, yeah, that's going to be, I'm, I'm there. Yeah. No, same man, same man. I had a feeling you're a man of such high culture I, I got i got that sense what's going on this is maverick saber here with wordplay magazine we'll be chatting to murkish dave some more but i want to remind you to check out wordplay magazine's on rotation playlist on spotify on rotation is the wordplay team's fortnightly playlist of the latest releases from the hip-hop world as well as from the soul and jazz scenes and these are my top five picks from our latest playlist. Hey, what's up? This is Sam Henshaw, and I'm here on a Wordplay podcast with Tarek. On this tune, Swindle and MJ Cole have produced a bassy beat to perfectly match Green T. Peng's voice. This is Stuck in the Middle. Stuck in the middle. I have been pushed, I have been pulled. There is no leading me no more astray. I have been pushed, I the bright and bass trio that is Compound have found a new home on the great High Focus Records. This oozy, trippy tune is called Went There and it features on their new album Long Live the Court. Yo, I spit him in, I'll be getting busy with bars, infinite Michelin stars, and I'm flipping it fast, get charged on the rhythm with chips, you get the arse, like she's tripping the wishing of my dick in the palm, we get simmer than I get it bars up. I get free fulfillment when I'm off car, I ain't need decent milk to get start up. DJ Wills with bust to fill bathtubs, full to the core, love store for the hopeless, juice on the floor for the fallen soldiers, peel so torn with the flow to olders, vulgar, shipping on my pub and cojones, shorty and holding a focus. Now, can you imagine a heavy hit and chasing status track with a rapper like Backroad Jew over it? Can you imagine what that would sound like? Well, imagine no more. This is them teaming up for When It Rains. Next up, Toronto's Jesse Reyes is a spurned lover but a spurned lover armed with flows in her new track entitled Fraud. Oh, you such an effing fraud. Your lies, they go on and on. Play the prince to fall and then you switch like a chameleon. Cause you such an effing fraud. Better you're an effing dog. I hate you got a new chick. 
and she don't know who she effing thought you're just another suit sucking a flute singing that la di da making it look cute but she got no so the west coast hip-hop legend Russ Cars had twin sons and these twin sons met a couple of other mates and they created the group Coast Contra Coast Contra made old and new heads alike go crazy when they released this track here titled Never Freestyle I'm a son of a gun with 16, bite the bullet, my style Russian roulette, just be careful when you pull it, I had to pull some strings, I wish they was over acoustics, my flow stupid, doofus, I'm the blueprint, the twins is a pair, but I'm a two for one, this the moon and the sun, Frank Castle and big pun, your punishment's begun, my split personality. So that was my top five from Wordplay's On Rotation playlist, let's get back into it now with Murkish Dave. Well, I want to ask you about the hero and villain thing, because I guess, you know, from the title of your, of your debut album, Marcus Dave saved my life and there's a tweet you put out the other day I think it was in reference to Kendrick Lamar talking about not being a savior and stuff um it's not just the lightness in your music there's there's like definitely reflections on the darkness of life in, in your music as well so I want to hear about your ideas of heroism and, and villainy so that's what I want to ask um okay um thanks for indulging me in all that it, with stuff like this it kind of and sometimes, you know, I might look back at this and disagree with something that I've said. Do you know what mm. I mean? It's it's like a work in progress. But I think it it's valuable in helping me work out how I feel about things and ideas. So I'm I'm cool, man. When you're doing that, when you're reflecting, are there any particular moments in your life or in life generally that that give you like those gems, give you that inspiration, give you that lyrics that come up more than others or that you look for? My brain is just always on. And so I'm always like, you know, someone will walk past me in the street, say something mad. I'll be like, that was cool. Take it down. I'll, I'll um, you know, I'm always, yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm always kind of like interested in how people are moving. But also like, I'm always thinking, like I'm just, I, I'm walking down the street. Everything, I mean, like, you know, I think I'm I'm a city kid. I, you know, I was talking, you know, um, I've been talking about this bit with like my missus and stuff. And we're both like this, where like, you know, a lot of people like kind of have this kind of goal that they want to move out to the suburbs. Hmm. But like, we're like a bit different. Like we're like, we like buzz off the energy. And I think that like, you're just never short of stimulus. Like when you're like, in the city man and it's just like for someone with a brain like mine it's just like it's not like I have to look for anything or have to put myself in a position all I have to do is live life and my brain is just going all the time just like picking up on everything you know I'm looking out the window right now like mm. just kind of taking in you know this street that I live on is perfect man it's like you see all kinds of people and all kinds of madness happening and it's like, I don't know. I just think that like, and just lis and just listening to people, speaking to my friends, speaking to strangers, um, and just 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 hearing what they've got to say, their what their experiences are, um, you know, you know, my family, you know, I've got, you know, I think I say it, I say it on like mm. sadness is on his way, like it's like I've I, I kind of like I've I know like. I've got friends and family from like all walks of life. Mm. And, um, you know, you have conversations with these people, but then also like, 
just keep your eyes open when when you when you're walking down the street and just for me like that that's all I need I don't I don't I don't need to like you know like I, I I've I've never been in the studio thinking man what should I talk about like <laughs> that's just like never happened to me like there's like endless subject matter like all around you you just have to kind of like I guess everybody's different like everyone's brain is different but for me I just have to 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 walk on the street or you know phone a friend or do you know what I mean and and mm. they, they, they'll give me like a zillion ideas I, I've got like a I've got like a notes I got in my iPhone I've got like my notes and I just have like every day I'm a, I must put like maybe 10 ideas in those notes like a day you know so it's like yeah that's what it is right I see Very interesting to hear about about that process um and yeah and also just you're saying you're having that kind of conversation with your missus about staying in London I feel like I've been talking to people just friends and people I've met and more and more people that have grown up in London are saying that I think um compared to that aspiration of like moving out and leaving it, I wonder if there's something like bigger happening like culturally but people seem to like want to stay here and in a way I guess you know I, just from your music I think you'll be familiar with this experience but being pushed and pushed and pushed outside of your area or outside of London there's like this real urge to stay here as well I think so yeah interesting to I, about that. Yeah, I, th I think I think so. I, I think there's like a you know a responsibility, you know. But it's funny. It's funny because uh, we met a, uh, an old an older lady once at the pub. I think it was like she was with her like husband, and they were like original Hackney, Dawsonite kind of people. Mm. But they were like from before. So like even before like they they'd been living there before the wave of immigration that happened in like you know across I guess now I don't know how old they were, but I guess like yeah, yeah, I think they would have been. Mm. So it's it's interesting how like you know London always changes. So it's like this idea that like this current wave of gentrification is like changing everything. But then like the waves, there's been, there's been like waves of immigration every kind of 10 years, I'd say in London. And that has changed things. I think the only thing is with gentrification is it just has this kind of like, there's like an economic, it's very smooth and mm. it's very, you know, like, like with, with like, with like when you had like, Windrush and people coming over from Asia and you know it was mm. more like they were coming in to like uh, join the the like working classes mm. whereas what you've got now is this thing that's kind of I've kind of lost my point a bit but it's kind of like it's a thing that's kind of like it's it's a very smooth thing that's happening and it and actually like people that like plan like town planners and stuff yeah and like people that plan how areas like I, I have a friend who does this in another country like 
or has done it. They don't do it now, but they have done it where they've like branded an area of a town and worked out, okay, how are we going to get it to this place in 10, 15 years? Okay, well, let's rent out this bit to like artists, cheap rent for artists. And then once the artists come in, we'll do coffee shops and then young professionals mm. will come in and, and then they'll have kids. And do you know what I mean? Like literally they're thinking about it. So I think, I, I guess like the wave of gentrification now. Okay, okay, the point I was going to make was with when you had these waves of immigration, the people that left, it was more like like white flight. So mm. it was like, we don't want to live around here anymore. So we're going to go out. Whereas like now it's more like, I guess like wealthy people or like comparatively better off people coming in from outside of London and being able to, and then that's, and people are getting priced out rather than moving out for other reasons. Mm. Like, you know, like, I, yeah, I've got, I've got like family that could no longer afford to live in London, mm. you know? So I think that like, and and I've had to move to like other parts of the country, you know? Um, so I think like when you know stuff like that, there is like a, um, the, you do feel like a responsibility to stick it out. <laughs> do you know what mm. I mean? Like, like man's here, like, like the last real East London alive, like, you know, like, you know, like in my, say like in my building, say I think I'm the only person that's from London in my building. Wow. And like in Hackney, like when it's like Easter, I mean, this is, this has been pushed a bit because of, it's been pandemic as well. So people really want to see their families and stuff. But if it's Easter, Christmas, like bruv, Christmas was a ghost town. Mm. It reminded me of like, you know, like a student village, like a student part of it. Like, like when I lived in Manchester, there was, like there's a lot of students who used to live in Fallowfield, and when they when it was like public holidays, obviously there was families that lived in family Fallowfield as well. But you could feel how dead the area was when there was no students, and Hackney's kind of turning into that. Where like, and I, I mean, it was great for me. I had some features to write over the Christmas. There was right. no one around. I, I, it was it was like absolutely perfect mm. but um like at the same time that i mean like you know it's kind of like it's becoming this kind of uh that's not like a holiday destination but like a kind of it's like a part-time you know i mean I, 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 it'd be kind of crazy it's kind of like that's kind of chaotic if you're like running a business around here and then suddenly everyone's just gone. Mm. Like, what do you do? Like, if you run a pub or like a cafe or... It's kind of mad. You have to kind of adjust, so... Mm. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, yeah, like, that's a long way of saying, like, yeah, man's looking to... That's one reason why man's looking to stick about. Sure. And just uh, agreed with everything you said, man. I, I spend a lot of time thinking about this because I'm a bit younger than you and my entire, like teens and 20s was shaped but i grew up in peckham and the gentrification of peckham okay it's completely shaped my entire life was shaped by it so i think about a lot i remember when before i had like the knowledge or articulation about how this happens and just like you said it's not 
it's not just a thing that happens organically it's not and it's also not chaos it's like very planned yeah. and i won't get into it because you've got fans all over the country and the world and we've got listeners all over so i don't want to get too local but like in in hackney like there's very planned stuff going on from from the top that i know about but anyway um can i yeah. just say one thing as well mm. yeah just before we move on yeah but one of the things that makes it difficult as well is that like some gentrifiers are cool though as well like they're just like nice people like so they're, they're not like so it's like it's like it's not like some of them are like quite entitled mm. and they're like um you know they look down their nose at certain things but some of them are just blessed mm. and that, that also makes it kind of you know like it's, it's not like it's like on paper everyone's like you know gentrification but yeah it's just also it's just like people in it yeah I and that's you. the other thing yeah and it's like it's like I don't know. It's, it's 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 just interesting to me. I think like a lot. I think a lot of the time, the people that, yeah, I don't know. No, I I I think I I know you mean. It. Especially if you're a person who puts yourself into other people's shoes, and you think like I often think about like, yeah, as much as I find this frustrating, if I grew up outside of London and had a slightly different family or upbringing, maybe I'd be doing exactly the same and. Sometimes you can't blame people, but then you also remember like this isn't all an accident either. This is all planned and outside of their control. Um, yeah, that, I think that's the point I'm trying to make that they're just another cog in the machine. Mm. Like it's not actually like, like I remember like at one point, like everybody was getting onto those guys who did the like the serial the serial, serial killer, killer cafe. Ca cafe yeah yeah mm. and, and like obviously like they were like definitely they they were unable to read the room and like they were kind of out of touch like when they were like doing interviews and stuff but really they ended up being like the like focal point of all the like people's like hate when they're just like a couple of brothers running a cafe like whereas like actually it's like these people that you can't see it's like, I mean, and no one's even put sticking it on Foxton's. It's right. like you've got Foxton's, but then you've got like all the stuff behind Foxton's. Do you know what I mean? And that's really where it is. It's not like serial ki killer cafe. And I think, yeah. I think that's the thing, isn't it? I think that's all I wanted to say, really. Mm. Um, I, I kind of feel like maybe there's a section of that where like someone could chop out like 10 seconds of what I was right. saying and make it look like I was defending gentrifiers but. yeah don't worry <laughs> it's not gonna happen i'll cut out a bit about batman or something that'll be the trade off <laughs> this. um no I'm, I'm not about that but i i, I hear you but I, I also think just my opinion that like often often we excuse like individuals and individual action like as you said you know in that example of the brothers that ran that that cafe it's like it was overcharged cereal in the poorest borough of London where kids can't yeah. go to school without breakfast. So I think there is like some individual responsibility, but um, yeah, man, as, as we know, there, there, there are bigger forces at play as well. Um, yeah. All right. I want to wrap up and c come back to the, to the album. Um, 
because you're, you're talking right at the beginning you were talking about how you've been chatting to your agent and you're planning this year and next year as well you know what kind of things are you thinking about and planning what can people look forward to I, I guess do you know what it is I feel like the difference between after my first album and now moving on to my second I think with the city needs a hero it's like I've lit the touch paper now where like I'm just like much more confident in my ability as a songwriter and as an ideas person. And so you're just going to see like in the next three years, you're just going to see, I'm just going to be on maximum smoke. Like just like the songwriting. I mean, you, you, you know, I'm, so proud of the album that I've just put out, but you you haven't even seen the 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 start. It's like this. I've got so many ideas and so mm. many. It's bursting out of me like every day. It's like almost like frustrating that I can't like you know. I've got like two three albums in me right now. So you're just going to be getting really. And I've got so much to discuss, as you can tell. <laughs> so yeah. it's like it's like all of this stuff is like gonna go like I'm just gonna be like there's gonna be music, but there's gonna be other mediums as well. I wanna do stuff, uh, you know, obviously like we stepped up the visuals for this album, mm. but I wanna do more. I, I wanna make I'm gonna I wanna make ultimately I wanna make a film like that it, it there's it, there's steps to get to that point but that's where i want to take it you know i want to make longer visual content i want to there's there's so much stuff that i want to do i mean i'm just uh, as i'm talking to you i'm kind of thinking about a zillion mm. things and i'm thinking let me just hold it down yeah but basically i'm gonna be there's a lot to do and there's a lot to say and so i'm going to be incredibly active that's what i will say well, it's good news. Good news for for all lovers yeah. of your music to hear. You're very inspired. And yes, I'm got, like yeah, bursting of ideas. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, I can't wait for it all, man. Well, Dave, it's been such a pleasure, man. I've uh, yeah enjoyed just like free thinking about all these different things and just going off into different places. Really enjoyed it, man. Thank you. No, thank you for the great questions. It's like I said, like I said to you off before we started recording. It's like the quality of questions and just the understanding of who I am as an artist now is just like leapt up on this mm. on this album it's like everyone I'm talking to I mean yours have yours have been especially you've kind of been a bit outside of the box with it the way that you've come at it which I really liked um but like it's it's not lost on me that I'm finally being understood as an artist mm. and I, I need to or I'm just reminding myself every day to be like thankful for that you know well thank you for the feedback that's really lovely to hear man honestly so thank you thank you for sharing that and as yeah I mean just before we like wrap up just to like remark on that that's really interesting that you've got to a place where even people that are interviewing you understand you exactly what you're about I guess maybe that's testament to how much of yourself and inner self you put down in your music 
that people are able to understand you so well do you reckon I guess yeah I guess my first my first album just like laid the kind of it was my story I was forced I think with my first album I was forced to to tell it because it was like survival it was like you know I don't think people were trying to see me as an artist and, and or or were trying to see me as other things and I had to kind of like do that to kind of just be in the room um and it ended up being up until this album that I've just done that's the only thing that I've ever been proud of that I've ever made is is that is that album you know um and uh I think in a way by just like letting go of like any pre like just I, I feel like I feel like you know as as you're developing as a as an artist as a musician you always kind of like you start off by like copying artists that you like and then you like I don't know like sometimes you can get you know obviously I've got a song called Bad Advice but you can get like which is kind of about that. It's like, it's kind of, you can get that bad advice to take a shortcut or this is the hype thing. Or, you know, if you talk about this, then people will like it. And I think that actually what I managed to make happen was the antithesis of that. Just like on my first album, just make something that there's like no consideration for any of that stuff because I knew that if... I if I failed in the the kind of industry commercial idea of what a failure might be, that I at least would have made an album that I could stand on a hundred percent and I could go and do something else proud that I did that. And I think because I did that, that's actually given me a career and given me a foundation to be understood. So when this new album comes out, people are like, Okay, I can see where you were at and now you've taken it so much further in these directions I get it here are the questions so mm. it's a it's a great you know because on my, on my first album people were just like yeah so tell me about when did you start growing yeah yeah oh yeah exactly yeah like or, or like tell me about it it was just like very you know and that and I found that fr frustrating whereas like now it's like man just that's why I'm saying I don't mind I'll, I'll I, I'm happy to talk for an hour or whatever, because at at, there was a point where no one was even asking me these questions. So I have to remind myself of that, you know. Mm. Well, love for that, Dave, man. I appreciate it. And I appreciate all, all the time you put in. Um, yeah, man, it's been such a pleasure. I can't, I can't wait for the shows. I can't wait to go and listen to your album again. Um, and yeah, man, I'd love, uh, yeah, it'd be nice to meet up at your show as well. I'll, yeah, I'll wait. yeah, yeah. I'll, sh I'll show you down. So, um, yeah, man, no, for can't sure. wait. Come, definitely come and say, you've got to say hello, but I'm all about the IRL in real life moments, bruv. So, yeah, definitely let's do that. For real. Well, Dave, thank you very much, man. Thank you, man. Thank you, brother. That was Murkish Dave here on the Wordplay podcast. His album, The City Needs a Hero, is out now. He'll be touring this album across the UK in October, so go to murkishdave.net to find out when he's coming to a city near you. We come to the end of this episode of the Wordplay podcast. Follow us at Wordplay Magazine. We were hacked a little while ago and lost the following we built there, so please follow at Wordplay Magazine and help us build again. 
You can follow Merkage Dave at Merkage Dave and follow me at Tarek Revs, T-A-R-E-K Revs. Head to wordplaymagazine.com for more rap, soul and jazz content. We have a new edition of the print magazine out soon with interviews from Maverick Sabre, Chris Style, Chasing Status and many more. There's free limited edition covers for the new edition. The entire Wordplay team have put a lot of work into this, as always. So shouts to Matt, Sam, Ed, Susie, Danny, Ellie and everyone else in the Wordplay team. A big thank you again to Murkish Dave. What a lovely guy. I've been Tarek and thank you for listening to another episode of the Wordplay podcast. What's going on? This is Murkish Dave and you're listening to Tarek on the Wordplay podcast.